Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie and I am your host and I am recording this show late. Actually, I am re-recording this show late. On Tuesday, I had the episode all recorded. I was like, okay, great. On Thursday, I was at work. I went to edit it and uh, it was it was a mess. Like the whole editing process was a mess. I did a terrible job explaining things. I did a terrible, I just repeated myself a bunch. The whole episode was a mess. It was really difficult to edit into something that would make sense to you, the listener. So what I decided to do was go ahead and re-record it today because I also worked on Friday. With any luck, this new recording will actually make sense and be entertaining and not a hot mess like the old one was. What I'm going to do for fun is I am going to upload that episode that I recorded on Tuesday to a Google Drive folder, and I'll put the, the link in the show notes. And if you would like to listen to that episode you're more than welcome to i don't know why you would but i recorded it and you know might as well use it somewhere if you want to see what uh, a a really terrible podcast sounds like if you'd like to hear what a really terrible terrible podcast sounds like when you want to torture yourself i'll put the link in the show notes things that i like this week are emails from listener and i got an email from rob and He's in the market to buy a used Model S, but he has a question that he would like me to put out to you folks that listen to this show. Here's his email. I'm in the market for a used Model S, but I am troubled by the recent story about significant range downgrades on some 85 kilowatt hour batteries. But this story seems to have strangely gone quiet beyond the original electric story in June. I can't find anything more. The reported downgrades were significant, so much so, uh, he didn't say that, so much that I questioned whether buying an 85 kilowatt hour battery would give me any range advantage over a 75 kilowatt hour battery. Have you heard anything more? Well, and I already answered him that I haven't, but he would like me to put this out to you folks. If you have a Model S and you have an 85 kilowatt hour battery and you downloaded the update, what, what kind of range changes are you seeing? Is it significant? Is it making your experience worse? If you have any additional information on this, please email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. And let's get Rob's question answered. 
it would be really awesome if the community can come together and help him out, and I'd really appreciate it. Again, that's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. All right, I want to thank the people who support the show, the patrons. I've mentioned this many times before, but I don't actually take any of the money that comes through the Patreon and I don't actually use that for any living expenses. That money goes towards, like, the most recent purchase was we leased the Hindenburg software. That's the software I used to record this. Uh, in probably a day or two, I'm going to be buying a new preamp. Part of the problem is that my microphone that I use, which is a very nice microphone, is too powerful for the preamp. And that's why I'm so quiet. That's why you have to turn the podcast up so loud to be able to listen to the show because my preamp isn't powerful enough to to power my mic. Hopefully that'll be solved very soon, but that costs $500. I use the money that comes in through the Patreon to offset the cost. Now, having said that, everybody who supports the Patreon, I really appreciate it because your patronage has allowed me to upgrade the show and make it better technically much faster than if I was just paying this all out of my own pocket. So thank you very much for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or supportkilowatt.com. One of the other things that I'm looking at doing is going to the LA Auto Show. Recently, I filled out the paperwork to become to get a press pass for the LA Auto Show, and I didn't get any information back. I didn't get a confirmation email, and I was like, well, that's really weird. But it turns out I didn't fill it out all the way. And to get a press pass, you actually have to have some affiliation with press organizations, which totally makes sense. You don't want the random person just coming in and saying, hey, I want a press pass and get into the event for free. So I'm going to work a few other angles to see if I can't get into the LA Auto Show under a press pass. But my dreams of going to the LA Auto Show are still alive because they do have a free ticket that the unwashed masses can use. But having the press pass would actually make me look a little bit more legit and maybe I can get some more interviews based off of, you know, having that press pass. So I'm not going to go into any more about that. Uh, I want to thank everybody who supports the show. I really appreciate it. Again, if you want to support the show, show go to supportkilowatt.com and check out the tiers that we have there. All right. We talked about hydrogen as a fuel source for vehicles last week. That was a very quick overview Today, we're going to talk about, again, about hydrogen creation, but we're going to go into it a little bit more detail. We're going to talk about transport, storage, and then hydrogen fuel cells. And at the very end, we're just going to make a little comparison to battery storage. We won't get too much into the weeds on that because it's really not what this show is about, but I do think it's important to make some comparisons. We talked about natural gas steam reformation last week, where they use steam pressure and natural gas to extract the hydrogen. Even though it's the most popular method of hydrogen extraction in the U.S., it's still pretty inefficient, and the byproduct, you know, is is a pollutant. By that, I mean what's left over after the hydrogen is split from the gas is, well, methane. It's the biggest byproduct. Now, I'm sure they collect that methane and they repurpose it somewhere else. I can't imagine that they just release it into the air or burn it off. It seems like a waste of money. This method is about 65 to 75% efficient. So what I mean by that is if you take 100 watts of energy and you put that in to making hydrogen, you are only going to get back 60 to 75 watts of energy. So you're losing, you know, 25 to 35% 
of what you put into it, which is, you know, problematic. Now let's talk about electrolysis. With this method, you're actually using water and you're separating the hydrogen from the oxygen and you use electricity to make that separation occur. The downside to electrolysis, it uses more energy than the steam reforming process. There's about a 30% loss of energy when using electrolysis. And the third method that we're going to talk today about today, and I mentioned it last week, is proton exchange membrane, which is also abbreviated to PEM. It's similar to electrolysis. The difference is that PEM uses a membrane and a catalyst that splits the hydrogen from the oxygen. The membrane only allows protons to pass through it. This method is actually very efficient. It's 80% efficient. It's projected to get uh, between 82 and 85% efficient by 2030. And theoretically, it can get up to 94% efficient, which is really pretty good, especially if you're using renewable energy sources like hydro, solar, wind, that kind of thing to, to power the power plant. The other nice thing about the PEM process is that if you have a hydrogen filling station, it can actually be produced on site. It doesn't have to be produced at this big hydrogen processing plant and then trucked to the filling station. It can be produced on site in a fairly small area on the property. Now let's talk a little bit about scale and cost. These big scale hydrogen plants can produce hydrogen at a, a much cheaper cost than they can at the on-site hydrogen production plants. And that makes sense, but then that hydrogen needs to be transported somewhere. On the flip side, if you have a PEM station or plant etched on site, you're going to pay more to produce the hydrogen because you can't produce it at scale, but you don't have to transport it. The type of power that you're using when you're producing the hydrogen, that absolutely makes a difference in terms of an environmental impact. Are you using a coal-powered plant or are you using something from a renewable energy source or is it a combination of the two or maybe three or four? That does make a difference in terms of the effect that it has on the environment and the amount of pollutants and emissions that it takes to actually produce and transport the hydrogen. According to the U.S. Fuel Cell Technology Office, petroleum use and emissions are still lower for hydrogen vehicles than they are for gas-powered internal combustion vehicles. It goes on to say that it's redu actually reduced emissions and petroleum use over 90% compared to today's gasoline vehicles. So that's uh, great. That's amazing. Storage. Once the hydrogen has been created, it needs to be stored somewhere. So that either occurs at the big hydrogen plant where it's stored and then waiting to be transported via truck or pipeline to the filling stations, or if it's created on site at a filling station, and then it's just stored waiting to go into the hydrogen vehicle. Storing hydrogen is problematic because it's a very low density gas, and it's very difficult to convert it to liquid for storage, which would make it more efficient. When you boil that down, basically what it means is if you can liquefy the hydrogen, you can store it in a smaller tank, which is more obviously efficient. There are two main ways to store hydrogen as a liquid. The first is to cryogenically cool it to negative 250 degrees Celsius, which is negative 421 degrees Fahrenheit. But if you do this, you have another 40% energy loss, which is 
not a great way to go. The other way is you compress the hydrogen down to 790 times atmospheric pressure, and you only lose 13% energy loss if you do that. Hydrogen also needs some special systems to keep it in the liquid state, and those systems are only good for a lifetime of 1,500 cycles. I couldn't find any good information on what qualified as a cycle or how long you can expect this equipment to last, but it does have a lifespan. We talked about transport a little bit. Hydrogen can be transported by truck or by pipeline. When it's transported by truck, you're going to be using a diesel semi to get it places, so there's emissions going out that way. However, it's still better than a gas-powered car like we talked about before. The other problem is when you transport it by truck, the vessel that hydrogen goes in is only so big, so you're only going to be able to... One truck can only transport so much hydrogen, and then it needs to go back and get more hydrogen. So that's problematic. And then you also have all of the same problems that we were talking about before for static storage with the mobile vessel. You know, you're still running into those same problems, and you're losing energy every time you transfer this from storage vessel to storage vessel. And you're going to do that at least three times from the source to the truck and from the truck to the final destination. You're just losing a little bit of energy efficiency there. Now, once we have the hydrogen produced, it's been transported, it's been stored again. Now we're going to talk about the fuel cells and how those actually work. In the hydrogen car, there are fuel cells. And basically how a fuel cell works is the exact opposite of how the PEM method works. So it actually takes oxygen and the hydrogen that's in the tank, it combines them instead of separates them. And then that energizes the fuel cell, which energizes the motor, and then you're able to drive the car. Now we're running on electricity, and that's why water comes out, because you're taking the hydrogen and you're putting the oxygen together, and water comes out the tailpipe. That's how that works. Very simple. Or I should say, seemingly very simple. I'm sure there's a lot more going on in that process. Finally, let's look at the efficiencies of battery storage versus hydrogen. So full battery EVs versus the hydrogen cars. Now, when we talk about the efficiencies of the batteries, I'm talking about the financial and environmental costs and energy costs of mining, building, shipping, and charging these batteries. When it's all said and done, batteries are sitting at a 60 to 65% energy efficiency. If we go back to that 100 watts that we were talking about before, the battery is going to actually put out 60 to 65 watts out of that 100 and these efficiency numbers include the mining, the building, the shipping, and the charging of these batteries. So that's all built into that. So we're looking at 60 to 65% energy efficiency. Now, when we look at hydrogen right now, we're looking at 20 to 30% energy efficiency, which is problematic because batteries right now are twice as efficient. Now, once we get the hydrogen production efficiencies up and the storage efficiencies up, I'm sure we can bring those two uh, numbers closer together, the battery and the hydrogen numbers closer together. But as it stands right now, it makes more sense to have an electric vehicle that's run off of a battery. I still think that hydrogen has a, a use in bigger vehicles like fire trucks, garbage trucks, semis, box trucks, um, big old RVs, that kind of thing. I think that's very useful. When you look at our ladder truck at the fire department, that thing gets terrible fuel mileage. I mean, absolutely terrible. If we're running that truck a lot in a 24-hour shift, 
we might have to fill it up. We might start the shift with a full tank. We might have to fill it up one, two, and sometimes three times if we're really running a lot of calls in that truck. And the reason why is because it's 48,000 pounds, 47 feet long, and it is, it's just a beast. Having hydrogen as a fuel source would actually be beneficial in this truck because I don't think with all the electronics that we have on fire trucks, I don't think that a battery pack would be able to keep up with the demand needed, the, the electrical demand needed to keep that truck going call after call after call, or even if it's on scene for long periods of time. And the one thing that you don't want to happen is for your truck to run out of fuel, whether that be diesel or battery you just don't want that to happen. So anyway, I think hydrogen has a place there. Plus, when you look at most of these things, except for semis and RVs, garbage trucks have a, a limited range that they travel. Fire trucks have pretty much a limited range that they, they travel. Box trucks, the same thing, local. So you'd be able to have some sort of hydrogen plant on site or somewhere centrally located where you could fill up fairly easy, just like you would with a, a diesel vehicle. Okay, that's it. That's the whole show. This went so much better than the last time I recorded this episode. So hopefully it'll be easier to edit and hopefully you will have learned something and you enjoyed the information. It's a little different and it's not necessarily the most popular topic out there, but I do think it's an important topic to talk about from the dangers of hydrogen to the way that it's produced to the efficiencies, but also, you know, even with all of its inefficiencies, it's still less of a pollutant than diesel or gas powered vehicles. As EV enthusiasts, and technically hydrogen is an electric, hydrogen vehicles or electric vehicles, as EV enthusiasts, I think it's important for us to kind of arm ourselves ourselves with this information so that when we're talking to a friend or a family member that has misconceptions, we actually have the right information to give them and maybe change their mind. And maybe we won't change their mind, but maybe we'll plant the seed. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I, why I do this show. I mean, I really enjoy it, but I like getting that information out there. I say this a lot, but I didn't name this podcast something Tesla related for a reason. When I started this podcast, you know, almost all of the EV news was centered around Tesla and every other car manufacturer that was planning on building an electric car that was so much further into the future. And I didn't want to center on one company or one technology. I wanted to, you know, be able to explore the whole world of electric vehicles. And right now we are in a very exciting time when it comes to electric vehicles. You got the Hyundai Kona, the Porsche Taycan, You've got the e-tron, the, the Jaguar. you got what Vol Volkswagen's doing with their ID series. That car looks pretty cool. The Honda e-prototype. All of these vehicles are so cool and so fun to look at and talk about. And I'm looking forward to next week. Next week, we're going to talk about Tesla's Q2 2019 earnings call. So it'll be a pretty long show and a fun show. Those are my favorite to do, if I'm being honest. Okay, everybody, I hope you have a wonderful week. I apologize, this is a day late. If you want to listen to the train wreck that was the original show that I recorded, I'll just put the link in the show notes and you can go nuts. And then I'll put some links in the show notes uh, of the information where I got some of the information. I won't be able to put all the links because I didn't save them, uh, but I can put some of the links in there. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to the show. Have a wonderful week.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 